You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Stupid Girl, which originally aired November 4th, 2002, was directed by Todd Holland, and written by Dan Kobelman. Hi, I'm Jake, and like all great artists, I'll do anything for money. And I'm David, and how long you got? Well, before we get into this week's episode, we have a community segment. We've got a big community segment. That's, I was going to say, that's what I was fearing. This is going to be a, uh, wow. (laughs) We've got uh, two sets of poll results to go through, and we've got four emails. Oh, man. Three of which are about the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. All right, well, let's start with our poll results. Uh, First, going back to our Season 3 wrap-up episode, we got into a very long tangent in that episode about which actress from Friends was the best. We sure did. (laughs) So I thought it was fitting to put up a poll and see what the audience thought, who they thought the best Friends actress was, and they... Depending on how you like it, they kind of agreed with you as you were defending Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) And she did narrowly win. She got 40% of the vote. Okay. uh, With Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow both splitting the remaining vote with 30% each. uh, Both of whom I am a fan of. Right. Uh, And we also uh, got some comments on that uh, poll, including... We got, we, we got one uh, write-in vote for none of them from Luke. <laughs> That's not an option. You got to give a replacement. Like, I'm fine if you say none of them, but, like, give me a replacement. No, it's, it's like how in a presidential election you're allowed to just vote for anarchy. No, you're not. Yeah, you are. I've, I've been doing it for years. That explains so much. Eric, who, who uh, joined us for uh, Zoo as well as Monkey before that episode, also uh, left a comment on that one uh, saying, Somehow I feel Jake will have umbrage with this poll result, but like a true professional will deliver the results impartially, uh, to which I say, no, I won't. That sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I mean clearly the, the, the real poll here, you know, was could Jennifer Aniston beat out you know, Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow, and she didn't. So I, I, no, I feel what? like no, I won. no, the, no, you didn't. Jennifer Aniston won. You're you're a dingus. No, no, no. Yeah, you don't get to add the other. Why not? That was weird. My mic uh, muted itself. But uh, look, that's not how it works. Okay, that's not how any of this works. I beg to differ. You can beg all you want. You're still just wrong. <laughs> Uh, but moving on to our poll results for Zoo, our shittiest and least shitty kid polls, which for uh, least shitty kid, both Eric and myself chose Francis in that episode uh, for firing Zeke and for applying himself at the dude ranch, whereas you chose Dewey for staying positive even in the face of potential tigery death. And uh, Luke once again left a reply on that one. Uh, saying simply, uh, anyone who chooses Dewey is biased. <laughs> wow. And the poll results overwhelmingly agreed with Eric and I. Francis won with 87.5% of the vote, with Dewey getting a singular vote. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. No, nah, well, look, when you're right, you're right. No, I and was right. You, I mean, we. <laughs> no, 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 that's the <laughs> dumbest poll I've heard. Come on. <laughs> well, for shittiest kid for that episode, uh, Eric chose Reese for antagonizing the animals. Uh, you chose Malcolm for being whiny and telling Dewey that he loved him when he thought they were going to die. And I chose Dewey for endangering himself and Malcolm in the first place. That's that's dumb. And uh, this one was actually a, a very close poll. Which Reese ended up winning with 45% of the vote, but Francis, <laughs> Malcolm, and Dewey all tied for second with 18%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, Luke w- w- once again replied on this to l- let us know sort of uh, why he voted his way, and he said simply, Reese for animal abuse. <laughs> 
He did get those tigers killed. They weren't. They were fed. They weren't killed. <laughs> There's no world where uh, a goat takes on a tiger. Then uh, Richard also left a reply on that one. Uh, and he says, if Francis didn't get bailed out by Otto and Gretchen, he and Piyama would have probably had to go crawling back to Hal and Lois. He's the shittiest for poor planning. Ooh. All right. All right. <laughs> but you know what? I I uh I, I can I can see that. I, I like that. I'm sure you do. Uh then uh, we we also have our emails. Yeah, this is the part that scares me. <laughs> uh, as I already said, we have three of them, uh, which are all about what I have dubbed Pop Tart Gate. No, can we not with the Pop Tarts? <laughs> I look. I can't believe we were dumb enough to argue over that. Let alone, I can't believe people were crazy enough to write us about it. Well, 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 David, get ready to feel even dumber. No, no, I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna walk away while you read this. <laughs> well, uh, the the first one of these emails to come in was from Andy, and his email was titled "Jake's right, but you're both idiots." And his email reads, "Hey guys." Thought I'd rewatch the Pop-Tart scene and do some research to see who I agreed with. Uh, turns out, no research needed. There's a giant strawberry clear as day on the top of the box. How the fuck did you guys miss that? That's not a strawberry, but okay. Oh, it, it, David, I went back and rewatched it, definitely. It's, it's, it's so clear. It's not a strawberry, <laughs> but go ahead. It, it go ahead. Uh, he says, seriously, though, I've never laughed so hard in my life. As when Jake declared himself the Kellogg's king, and then seeing the obvious strawberry makes the whole fight so much funnier. I do worry Jake is going to give David an aneurysm with the constant gaslighting, though. Bro, right? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, gaslighting's not a real phrase. You are, oh, I fucking, don't you be weird one of those that, guys. Weird that you made up a whole phrase just now? I hate you that's so much. I hate you so much. <laughs> I didn't even make it up. He's writing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to Andy right now. Okay. Uh, and he he did uh, sign his uh, email with hashtag release the Olive Garden cut, which I appreciate. All right, fair. Yeah, yeah. But also, no, y look, you are not the king of Kellogg's. You're not the, you are not shit, okay? General Mills wouldn't even put you in their stupid Oreo fucking cereal, which had literal uh, shit in it. Uh, first of all, that's not true. That that was debunked. I and second of all, they're Oreos, and they were awesome. The whole rat be, feces thing was an urban legend. No, I've looked it, into it. wasn't rat feces. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, well, I, I've looked extensively into Oreos, and there was no, like... Oh. No, what I'm, what I'm talking about... I do remember about, that when we were kids, so though. That was the speculation. Oh, no. What I'm talking about is a very real thing, and it's actually in multiple cereals. Oh, yeah. All cereals have, like, a certain amount of fecal matter they're allowed to have. All uh, foods, correct. pretty much. Yes. Um, I'm aware yeah. of that. But specifically, uh, bat guano... Uh, is is a looked for and and quantitated amount of allowance, which doesn't mean that there is bat poop in it, but it doesn't matter because you can twist those numbers and you can use that information to make people think that there is bat poop in it. Fair. Also, uh, anyone who's like, oh, there's poop in our stuff. If you're drinking your little vanilla chai latte, guess what? You're drinking shit out of a beaver's butt. So who cares? Yeah. Vanilla flavoring is out of a beaver's ass. But anyways. Yeah, yes. It, it's actually like a bunch of artificial flavorings. It's like ras any raspberry flavor. And there's like three or four other ones that are all derived from that same uh, beaver ass gland. Yep. I learned about that from the comics book podcast, Tighten Up the Defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I learned about that from science class, Jake. Well, uh, I'm enough. classier than you mm. yeah now see that that just proves that a uh, school is a scam come up with by parents just listen to podcasts that's all the education you need oh god you would tie it back to the episode <laughs> but uh moving on to our next pop tart gate email oh god this one comes from terry and it is titled some pop tarts thoughts from a graphic designer who studied pop tarts logos and uh, their uh, initial email reads, uh, Howdy, I thought I'd weigh in on this whole Pop-Tart thing as I studied it when I was going to college for graphic design. Uh, I'm inclined to side with Jake on this as they do color the Pop-Tarts logo in accordance with flavors. 
the Pop-Tarts logo being red indicates it would be cherry or strawberry, as Jake said. Uh, and he says the, uh, the exceptions to this are the special tie-in boxes as the Pokemon ones, which you guys mentioned in the episode. Thank you. Uh, but it is almost certainly either strawberry or cherry. Uh, it would not be chocolate unless it was it uh, tied in with a sort of outside brand. Then, 15 minutes later, <laughs> he wrote a follow-up email that just says, Just rewatched the scene. Disregard everything I said. There's literally a strawberry on the box. <laughs> I think you're all group gaslighting me right now. I very much agree with the sentiment of, uh, you know, a Andy's a... Uh, topic line on, on this and then even though i was right on the flavor i felt like a fucking moron going back and rewatching the scene <laughs> that i'd watched like five times back to back paying super close attention to like the logo and any other details just completely missed that there's literally a strawberry on the box mm. <laughs> i'm not convinced <laughs> well maybe maybe this last and my favorite of these emails will convince you david it's titled, There's a Fucking Strawberry on the Box. <laughs> and it comes from Sarah. And her, the entirety of the body of her email is just dot dot dot, guys. <laughs> you can't convince me about them government strawberries, Sarah. <laughs> Strawberry Pop-Tarts don't exist. They're a conspiracy from the government. They're literally how they tested all the different like things that they were going to put in the tracking serum for dude i'm not dumb enough to pretend to be one of those people so i don't <laughs> know what they claim that the government's putting in shit but it's that yeah yeah absolutely for sure <laughs> then we, we have one more email that is not about pop tarts oh thank god uh and it comes from uh hal not wilkerson as he uh, signed himself <laughs> that's funny but his email is titled, I don't know what to title this, but no one is wrong. <laughs> and uh, he sent us the like Wayback Machine archived versions of uh, the, the old Malcolm in the Middle websites. Uh, they were like redid it uh, around, it looks like around like season four. Dope. Uh, which uh, do, do have some interesting, unfortunately, because they're, you know, no longer actual like functional websites most of the like functionality doesn't work uh, which is a bummer uh, but th there's some stuff that i really wish did like the newer version of the website had a section uh where th they had stevie giving like advice to kids <laughs> like kids would write in with like problems and he would give advice that's funny and it, it makes me so sad that i can't watch the actual video i'm gonna have to see if i can find it somewhere else like on youtube or something that would be great. And then uh, Hal also pointed out that, that they have, like, a weird, like, way of doing, like, episode recaps, basically. They, they have them as though they are journal entries that, like, Malcolm is writing, but they, like, tie in and essentially just, like, summarize each episode. Interesting. Which is also pretty cool. And then he also sent us the teaser campaign... That they ran in between seasons one and two of Malcolm in the Middle, which was whereisdewey.com, <laughs> uh, which unfortunately is also no longer uh, maintained. It, it is down, so you can't, like, go through and see everything, but he did send us uh, some uh, JPEGs of just, like, some of the static images that, that were, like, associated with it. That's cool. And... Yeah, uh, one is just a picture of Dewey, like, just his little feet sticking out with a trash can over him. Then <laughs> uh, There's just, like, a little picture of Dewey, like, crouched down with a question mark next to him. Yeah, these all have, like, the, the, you know, channel and time and date for uh, the season two premiere, of course. Right. And then the, the most important one for us, of course, though is uh, that the, the whole campaign was sponsored by Kellogg's. Uh-huh. Of course <laughs> in, it was. In particular, Rice Krispie Treats and Pops cereal. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> like, like the, the like, uh, starting logo where you would, like, go into their, their, like, little website thing is just a big Where's Dewey, 
with the Pops and Rice Krispie Treats logos at the bottom. I've never heard of those. Uh, are you a Kellogg's denier now? I have literally never heard of that brand. Fantastic. It's so sad that they went out of business after this. Yeah, so sad. So unfortunate. But that wraps up the community segment. So let's get into the episode. <laughs> the uh, cold open for the episode starts at the uh, breakfast table brought to you by Kellogg's. By who? That's It's an old organization. They don't exist anymore. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Uh, but Reese is sitting there eating his Apple Jacks. And Lois uh, comes up to him and just like silently stares at him. And after, like, a second, Reese immediately starts confessing to a series of crimes. <laughs> uh, immediately confesses to eating the cupcakes that Lois made for Dewey's class the night before. Then he confesses to stealing Hal's license so that he can make a fake ID with it. And then he says he can't give her the necklace back because he sold it already. <laughs> and uh, Lois just says, I was just gonna say your pants don't match your shirt. And Reese sighs in relief and says... Oh, phew, that was a close one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Reese. Uh, getting into uh, the rest of the episode, we of course will begin with the F plot. Appropriately named. Yeah, F for Francis, like always. Yeah. Yeah. I hate you. It, it, it starts with uh, Francis in the stables, and uh, Pialma is like uh, going out, and Francis uh, stops her and asks if she's going to the art gallery which she immediately insists it's not art. So Francis rephrases, asking if she's going to go sell pretentious, uh, hacky garbage to tourists who don't know any better. And Piyama says, oh, you do listen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah, fair. Then uh, after Piyama leaves, Otto comes in with Mr. Dodson, who he has just bought a bunch of barrels of something from. And he, like, very briefly introduces him to Francis, and Mr. Dotson, like, quickly excuses himself and rushes out. And Otto informs Francis that, you know, Mr. Dotson was a really nice guy, and uh, before he came to the United States, you know, people warned him that he, he would get taken advantage of, but Mr. Dotson proves that isn't the case. He, kn he knows so much more about ranching than me. And he sold me all of these cases of cow sunscreen at a major discount, only $200 a barrel. That's a good deal. Yes, which of course, uh, Francis is uh, immediately skeptical of. He, he doesn't immediately, you know, outright figure out that this is a scam, but he's immediately suspicious that it is. And to try to uh, confirm this, he calls Malcolm and he asks him if there is a way to scientifically test if something is pudding without without tasting it. I do like that element of caution. Francis is definitely learning. Yes. I, I, I do appreciate that he wasn't, like, you know, straight into you got ripped off. He, he did some research first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Malcolm, for reasons that we will uh, get to in another plot line, uh, is not any help to Francis. Uh, so much so that Francis... Uh, Ask Malcolm if he found the coffee can in the back of the garage. Well, and where Francis hides his stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. We've seen that garage. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Dewey had a whole-ass piano in there. Fair point. Then, when we come back to the F-plot, Piyama is working out of the uh, gallery where she sells garbage to tourists. And she is talking to one of those tourists who is, like, talking about how great this painting of a tiger and a dolphin is. And that is where my intro line comes from, as uh, the tourist lady asks Piyama if the artist will uh, replace the dolphin's face with her husband's. And Piyama just says, well, like any great artist, he will do anything for money. That tracks. <laughs> then uh, they are interrupted as Francis comes into the gallery, covered in blood, with his clothes torn and his hair all messed up, you know, clearly having been in a fight. And he explains to Piyama that he was at the gas station and he ran into the sunscreen guy coming out of the bathroom. And of course, they uh, turned into a full-on fight between the two of them. And he, he asked Piyama if she wants to see his front tooth, which apparently he has taken as a trophy. But Piyama sort of pulls him aside and tells him that he has to leave because she uh, told her boss that she wasn't trailer trash and he's blowing her cover. 
<laughs> and uh, the, the customer that, that was talking to Fiamma is like made uncomfortable by Francis, uh, you know, coming in all covered in blood, understandably. So she excuses herself and leaves, which when she does, Francis asks her why she's whistling. But Francis uh, proudly pulls all of the money that Otto paid this guy out of his pocket. Uh, and it is also completely covered in blood. And, you know, he de declares his victory. And then he looks down at, at his pocket and says, Is there supposed to be that much blood in my pocket? And Piaba takes him off to the emergency room. <laughs> then back at the grotto, Francis comes up to Otto. Well, he is once again in the stables. And, uh, you know, seeing how beat up Francis is, Otto asks what happened. And he explains that there is no such thing as cow sunscreen. And he got ripped off, but Francis got the money back for him, and he gives the money to Otto. And Otto thanks Francis, and he says, You know, there, there's another guy trying to sell me something in the office right now, and I'm feeling kind of suspicious about this one. Can you check him out for me? And Francis, like, limps his way into the office, and <laughs> before we even see the guy, you know, like, you can just tell from Francis, like, slowly looking up, like, uh, to meet Eyelide, this guy is huge. Yes. And he is selling Otto a dousing stick. He says he has a magic stick that helps you find water. <laughs> <laughs> and Francis, seeing how big the guy is, immediately says, Oh yeah, I've heard of those. <laughs> and starts <laughs> talking about how good of a stick it is. And that is how the F-plot ends. <laughs> and we will go uh, from there to the other sort of side plot line. We have the SR plot. I'm sorry, the what? SR. I... For Steamroller. <sighs> what else would it be? Jacob, shut shut up. You're I the don't worst. know what you're expecting. I was expecting it to be the H plot for Hal. Why would it be that? It features a Steamroller. No, it features Hal. Yeah, and Dewey. And a Steamroller. Dewey, yeah, fair. Uh, but it starts with Hal uh, taking Dewey to school. Hal is buying some... Uh, bread for the family. Uh, he, was, of course, is doing so at the liquor store because they have the best bread. Uh, at least that's what he tells Dewey, though he's clearly there to buy lottery tickets. And when he starts scratching them off, he, like, immediately starts cheering, you know, very excited because he has won a thousand dollars. And when Dewey asks him what they're going to do with all that money, Hal says they're not going to spend it. They're going to put it in Dewey's college fund. Yeah. His secret college fund that they don't tell Lois about. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we get yet another Hal awkward on the phone moment as he is uh, <laughs> calling. Uh, we will find out to order the steamroller, but uh, the, the, you know, clear joke here is they're trying to, you know, imply that it's a, a prostitute. He's, you know, saying things like, uh, we, we can't do it in my house. My family's there. Are you crazy? Yep. Uh, just as being, uh, you know, very uh, needlessly clandestine for comedic sake. Yeah, it fits Hal's awkwardness, though, I feel like. Oh, yeah, no, this, again, this is like every time Hal is on the phone, it's weird. Yep, very, very weird. Uh, which is relatable, I hate talking on the phone. It's the worst. It's not that bad. No, it's the worst. His phone call ends with him saying that there's a parking lot that uh, they can meet him at nearby. And we see him at that parking lot, uh, meeting up with a guy who is de delivering a steamroller. And Hal also has, like, a very, uh, less sexual but still innuendo-filled uh, conversation with this guy. Because <laughs> they're Fair. talking about how, uh, you know, if, if something fragile were to perhaps end up in front of me, what, what would exactly happen? <laughs> The, the guy tells him that, you know, he would just have no choice but to speed up and uh, crush it into oblivion. He had no way of avoiding it. That's right. Then, uh, then now, having his uh, steamroller, he gets out there. The first thing that he wants to crush, which is a full wedding cake, complete with, like, the wedding topper. Makes sense. You ever paid for one of those? They're ridiculously overpriced. Fair enough. Uh, he sets it down, and he... Runs over it with, with the steamroller, immediately smushing it, and he cheers. And then he immediately says, I can do better. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a montage of how crushing things to slow ride. Starting with, like, a ceramic serving dish. Then a, like, whole 
giant roll of bubble wrap, then a bunch of light bulbs, and then uh, a bunch of tubes of caulking. And he is about to smash the radio plane slow ride. When Dewey finds him and interferes. Good old Dewey. Immediately calls him out, you know, ha having figured out that this is what he spent the lottery money on. Which Hal initially says, you know, he, he puts some of the money into a college fund and if interest rates hold, and then he just sort of gives up on the lie. <laughs> I like that Hal's like one of the only people who you know, recognizes that Dewey is smart enough to, to like, not fall for this. Yes, th this is true. But when Dewey is upset with him, and uh, he's going to tell Lois about what he's done, Hal offers instead to let him crush one thing with the steamroller, and Dewey asks if he can crush Reese's bike, and Hal uh, not only readily agrees, but he already has it in the trunk. <laughs> Seems right. Yes, it was, it was clearly on his to crush list already. I feel like Reese's bike probably doesn't work anymore at this point. That, that is a distinct possibility. Then at the dinner table, Dewey like uh, quietly asks Hal why he didn't take him ice skating like he was supposed to today. And Hal tells Dewey, you know, he was too busy at work. He just couldn't do it. Then Lois says, so Hal, your work called and said you didn't show up to work today. And Hal immediately says, oh yeah, it's because I was ice skating with Dewey all day. No, was she called the office. Oh, okay. When uh, Lois uh, wants uh, Hal to stay and go over some bills with her tonight, Hal says that he can't. He has to go into work to make up for spending all day with Dewey at the ice rink. <laughs> and Dewey notices, like, as he's uh, saying all of this, that Hal is, like, using his spoon to crush the peas on his plate right then dewey confronts hal outside as hal is uh, getting into the car going back off to uh crush some more stuff and uh dewey tells him he thinks he has a problem which of course hal denies of course and uh dewey pulls a brochure for a wrecking ball out of out of hal's jacket which hal insists he was just holding for a friend yeah it's not his and uh he, he refuses to uh Talk about his problem with Dewey, he just denies that he has one, and he claims he doesn't even need to sleep anymore, that the laws of nature don't apply to him ever since he got the crusher. That's right. Then Hal drives off, and we, we see some more of him crushing stuff, this time a, like, wedding reef. Then after crushing that, he looks across the street at the used car lot. <laughs> he gets, like, a crazed look in his eyes, and, and he starts heading that direction, saying... Maybe just one row. <laughs> then uh, he's, he's headed that way, but Dewey gets in his way, uh, stopping him. And Hal is yelling for him to move out of the way. But Dewey puts like a little ceramic, like little boy figure down that says, I love you this much. And it has its arms held out. And he puts it in, in front of Hal. And Hal stops at the last moment, unable to crush it. And Hal... Uh, Finally, gets out of the steamroller, and he gives Dewey the keys, and Dewey leads him away. No. That wraps up that plot line. Sure does. Poor Dewey. Then from there, we will go to the D plot. D for dance, of course. I considered I for idiot, but Stevie's also involved, and he's not an idiot, so. Well, there's an argument to be made there. Wow. What? There's no argument Stevie's an idiot. Oh, I disagree. Wow. There's an argument to be... Look, at some point, Stevie needs to stop this monster. <laughs> at some point, his responsibility is there. And when he doesn't, it it means that he's complicit, Jake. Yeah, I don't think that's idiocy, though. I but there, there's, there's an argument to be made that Stevie is evil. I'll listen to that argument. All right, fair. I'll make that one instead. But he's not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but uh, the reason Stevie is involved in this plot line is because he is staying with the Wilkerson's while Kitty and Abe are on vacation in Hawaii. And it starts with them all uh, sitting around the table, uh, eating dinner, and Lois is praising Stevie's manners, you know, talking about how great it is to have a boy in the house who, you know, actually has manners and isn't a monster. <laughs> that one's, that's, that's a fair criticism. Absolutely. <laughs> When, uh, 
Reese asks if that remark was aimed at him. She says, yes, sweetie, it was. <laughs> <laughs> then at school, Malcolm is at his locker and uh, the, the girl at the locker next to him, who we will learn is Allison, uh, who will be a recurring character, uh, at least for a little while. She is played by Brittany Renee Finnamore, but she is like struggling to get her locker open. And Malcolm says, I know after it rains, sometimes they get stuck and he like uh, hits it and then opens it for her. And uh, she like introduces herself to Malcolm, you know, clearly not having uh, noticed that he existed until now, which uh, Malcolm already knows that her name is Allison. And he uh, calls them locker neighbors, which Allison does not get until he like explains it's because their lockers are next to each other. A after that little interaction, which knows goes well, uh, she like starts to leave. Malcolm yells at her to keep her damn dog off his lawn, which she also doesn't get. And Malcolm has to once again try to explain the joke. And he, uh, you know, just uh, in typical Ma Malcolm fashion, uh, just completely ruins the conversation. Then uh, Malcolm goes over to Stevie, who was watching all of this from the uh, background. And he asks Stevie what his problem is, which is where David's opening line comes from. That's right. How long you got? Malcolm is complaining about how he always ruins things with girls because he just can't stop overthinking things and he can't shut up. Uh, Stevie says, the issue is that Allison is an idiot, but Malcolm insists, no, the, the issue is with me. Uh, to which I say two things can be true. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> As they're having this conversation, Malcolm sees Reese, who is laughing at the water fountain. <laughs> As he's like pressing it, amusing himself with the water fountain. And Mal Malcolm says, you know, he, he wishes he could be, you know, that carefree and that happy, which sort of uh, sets him on his trajectory for the episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, then when we go back to the Wilkerson house, we get like the li li little startings of uh, Stevie's like very minor subplot he gets in this episode as he's helping Lois in with the groceries when uh, she like pulls out a bag of toilet paper uh, she looks confused and she says, wait, I didn't buy this. And Stevie says that he did. It was 75 cents less and it comes with lotion. <laughs> Lo Lois is uh, you know, very impressed by it. Once again, you know, heaps praise on Stevie for being such a sweet boy. Then in their bedroom, Malcolm is studying for midterms while Reese is laying in bed with a squirt gun, squirting up into the air with it landing in his own mouth. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's something. And Malcolm asks, you know, aren't you worried about failing midterms? Uh, Reese explains uh, his method for, you know, just not caring about these things. He explains that anytime he starts to worry, he sings the Minty Mint gum jingle in his head. Those jingles are catchy, Jake. I mean, Minty Mint is your mouth's friend. <laughs> and when Malcolm asks, so, uh... When you weren't studying just now, when I asked you why you weren't studying just now, you were seeing the Minty Men song, and Reese says, Yep. Then Lois yells at them to come help with the groceries, and Malcolm uh, like starts to leave the room to do so, leaving Reese laying in bed while he quietly sings the Minty Men song to himself. Then Malcolm starts using Reese's Minty Mint method. Next day, he rushes over to Reese at school, and he tells him, you know, it worked. He had a full conversation with Allison, and it went really well. Anytime he would start to overthink, he would just sing the song in his head, and it, everything went great. You know, when she asked why other people have accents but not them, he said, because they're weird, and she liked that answer. <laughs> then she starts, like, walking over towards them as they're having their conversation, and Malcolm starts to panic, worrying that, you know, maybe it was just a one-time fluke and he's going to ruin it this time. So to help him, Reese hides behind his locker, and he tells Malcolm to just uh, repeat everything that he whispers to him. The uh, classic sitcom move. That's right. And Allison comes over, and she invites Malcolm out to the dance, which, uh, of course, he accepts, and uh, they have a nice little uh, conversation with uh, Reese controlling Malcolm, <laughs> including the, like, a uh, big moment is... Uh, Reese has him say that they should replace all $1 bills with million-dollar bills so that no one's poor anymore. Hey, you know, that'd do it. Everyone would be millionaires. That's right. <laughs>
And Allison is both impressed by how smart that that uh, idea is, and also that he wants to help poor people like she does. Oy then, uh, back at the house, Stevie is now studying for midterms, while Malcolm is messing around in his wheelchair, uh, doing wheelies and sort of just, you know, screwing around in the bedroom. And when Stevie asks him what he got for number 17, Malcolm... Like, rolls over to his book, looks at it, and says, Oh, I drew a tank. <laughs> and uh, essentially, in the reverse of the scene earlier between Malcolm and Reese, Stevie now is asking Malcolm, Aren't you worried about failing? And Malcolm says that he has, it. He has a new approach to life. He thinks that life should be more, what's the word? Funner. That's right. Funner. Good word. And Stevie tells him, The brain is a muscle. Use it or lose it. And Malcolm says, yeah, well, what if your brain cramps up? Bet you didn't think about that. And as he's doing that, he's, like, doing a wheelie. And he just, like, flops backwards, falling uh, directly backwards in Stevie's wheelchair. Proceeding to then giggle about the fall. Yes. Then at dinner... Oh, it is also uh, worth pointing out that Stevie directly points out to Malcolm that he's turning into Reese in that same scene. He sure does. Which we, we see evidence of in the next scene as Malcolm is... Staring at his own reflection in his spoon, uh, like making dumb faces to amuse himself. And he asks who invented the spoon. And Stevie starts to give the real answer. Uh, all, all we get is the, the, the like syllable of paleo. And uh, he's interrupted as Reese says that it's a spoony spoonicus. Which, which sends both Malcolm and Reese into a fit of giggles at how silly the name is. It's a very Monty Python answer. <laughs> it, it really is. I love it. Then, back at the school once again, Malcolm is talking to Stevie about the upcoming dance, how he was going to borrow Reese's uh, t-shirt tux, but he thinks instead he's going to go to the mall and buy this really funny shirt that he saw. It says FBI, but it says Federal Booby Inspector. Then Reese uh, runs over to them and he tells Malcolm that he, he bought him a shirt. Uh, he saw it at the mall and he just knew that he would love it. And it is, of course, the FBI shirt he was just talking about. Dude, the amount of kids that I knew who had that shirt growing up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it also made me realize how many Reese's I know. Yeah, it, it is a very uh, Reese shirt. To own. It is. For sure. You know, to, to that point, I believe my brother, who we've compared to Reese before, owned an FBI shirt. <laughs> I'm like 99% sure. I believe it. Then to uh, celebrate Reese's buying of this gift, Reese and Malcolm headbutt each other. Yeah. Which I love the, I love his turning to Stevie and then you have to let Reese headbutt you. It's like getting hit in the head with something really hard. <laughs> Uh, not in this lifetime. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good. And when they resume talking about the dance, TV says that he is not going with them. And uh, Malcolm says, you know, he has to go. They're like the three musketeers. And he says, you know, we, we can't be the three musketeers without. And then he, you know, clearly can't think of any of their names. So Reese uh, suggests Nugent. <laughs> Nugent. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, not Nugent. Nugent. Yes, yeah, yeah. They they're not saying the Riders of the Apocalypse. That Nugent, but then Stevie, uh, cl clearly done with their bullshit, declares that he is going off to Quilt, <laughs> and he leaves them there. That's fair. Then at the dance, there, there's a kid uh, who like Reese approaches, and uh, Reese asks him if he wants some punch, and the kid knowingly says. If I say yes, you're going to punch me. And Reese says, I'm going to punch you either way, but it's funnier if you say yes. I mean, at least he's honest. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. It's it's a step in the right direction for Reese, Jake. Fair enough. <laughs> Malcolm and Allison are slow dancing. And while they are, they're talking about which kind of dancing they like more. Uh, she asks Malcolm, he says he likes slow dancing more. And she says, yeah, me too. Unless the fast dance song really rocks. And Malcolm just says, yeah. <laughs> then it cuts over to Stevie, who is at the Wilkerson household uh, watching TV. Uh, specifically, he is watching a documentary about uh, lawn maintenance. I, I believe uh, Royal Palace lawn maintenance. 
That sounds right. They're, they're literally watching grass grow. <laughs> yep. And uh, Lois, realizing that, that he's home and not at the dance, gives him a little pep talk, telling him, you know, he, he should go out and he should enjoy the dance. And, uh, you know, she, she thinks, uh, you know, just because he can't dance, there's plenty he can do. He could snap his fingers to the beat or he could spin around in circles on the dance floor. That would be adorable. And she, you know, tells him, you know, uh, plenty of girls would, you know, be happy to spend time with him. He's polite and he's nice and he's clean. Girls like that. Uh, mind you, Stevie is protesting this entire time. Yes, well, he, he's attempting to, but he can't get a word in edgewise. Correct. Yeah, yeah, I guess he, yeah, attempting to is a good way to say it, I guess. Yeah, he, he never gets more than, like, a word in before Lois, like, interrupts him with another point and he has to restart. That is correct. And... Well, Lois tells Stevie she is going to take him to that dance. Then uh, Malcolm and Reese are uh, sitting there with Allison in between them, talking about their favorite kind of fries. Apparently they have a bet on what Allison's favorite kind of fry is. When she says curly fry, Malcolm starts to give Reese money, and then he says, wait, but what about Cajun curly fries? And she says, oh yeah, I forgot about those. Those are my favorite. And, and Reese, like, hesitantly forks the money back over to Malcolm and says, yeah, mine too. <laughs> they are good. And then, then he questions why they can't make more foods, Curly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't. Mm, I don't know. Curly fries are pretty good. Imagine <sighs> imagine how girl, good a uh, Curly steak would be. I, I don't even... Who are you? Who hurt you? Why do you... Just no. No. <laughs> Okay, just no. But uh, Allison has an idea that she uh, wants to uh, go w with Malcolm. She knows a senior who stuck some beers into the dance. She wants to get some beers and go to the football field with Malcolm and make out on the football field while they drink. I mean, to be fair, the make out part is 100% Malcolm's just presumption. Yeah, I guess, but... I mean, it's kind of implied, but like... It's, it's, it's a reasonable uh, assumption. I'm not saying it's not, but... It's Malcolm, so it makes me go, hmm. <laughs> uh, true, he, he could very easily blow it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, Allison also points out how similar Malcolm and Reese are. She really likes talking to them, but because it's not straining. <laughs> she asks if they uh, are sure that they're not twins, and Malcolm says he'll have to ask his mom when he gets home. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Malcolm. <laughs> But as they head out to the football field with Allison, uh, you know, trying to figure out which uh, uh, yard line that they, they should uh, sit on. She's thinking the 50, but that's a really far walk. Jesus. <laughs> I missed that line somehow. That's, uh, that's the worst. Uh, that's so good. <laughs> Is it but, bad that her character's so dumb I missed some of what she said? Fair enough. I mean, she, she is essentially female, non-evil Reese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but as they are headed that direction with the beers in hand, they run into Lois and Stevie. And uh, Malcolm, you know, quickly thinking on his feet, turns and tells Allison, you know, it. Uh, he, he doesn't care what that other guy has to say. And, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna throw these beers away and, you know, all, all of this, uh, you know, very quick-thinking excuse-making like we often see from Malcolm. Then he turns to camera and he says, Well, that's what I would have done if I hadn't shut my brain off all week. Instead, this is what I did. And he just stands there like frozen and he sings the Minty Mint song. He's being a real Reese. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, as the cold open demonstrated, hiding his crimes, not Reese's specialty. <laughs> then, when we uh, finish up the episode, uh, it is uh, another day at the school, and Malcolm is sitting there talking to Stevie, and M Malcolm is talking about how, uh, how much trouble he's in, and how Lois won't stop yelling at him, and he <laughs> gives Stevie the uh, picture of Lois that he requested. <laughs> When Stevie uh, asks, how is my girl? That's... God, no. No, Stevie, no. Bro code, man. No. And I don't even care about the bro... But that's just... No. No. Barney Stinson would be upset and ashamed. But also a little proud. Yeah. 
But uh, speaking of bro code, uh, as Malcolm, you know, continues complaining, he also explains that Allison broke up with him the first time he used Paradox in a sentence. But he's still gonna be seeing a lot of her, and then it pans over to show that Reese and Allison are now dating. That, that is the context which will make Allison a recurring character for a bit. Okay. I was about to ask if we were going to have to keep dealing with her. Yep. Yeah, we, we've, we've got more Allison. Super. Uh, that wraps this episode up. So let's go to our awards. Bum, bum, bum. That, that, that is how it goes. Yep. I made the sound for you. You're welcome. Yeah. I don't have to put it in this week. Thanks. That's you right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely sounds just like that. Yeah. Now you should edit out the sound, uh, but leave me talking about it in. I, I'm already concerned if I should just replace the actual trumpet sound with that, David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, let us begin, as we often do, with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for yours? Uh, I mean, so since I get to go first, I had a couple, but since I'm going first, I'm taking mine. Uh, and that is the uh, bubble wrap scene. As a person who is okay. also obsessed with popping bubble wrap, the idea of running it over with a steamroller just seems oddly, insanely satisfying to me. Um, and so watching Hal do that was just amazing. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I had to go with that. Fair enough. My, my first choice, I uh, I considered just putting down the bubble wrap thing because I agree that is the highlight, but I ended up just putting the uh, first crushing montage as my first choice. Because I, I do enjoy that entire montage. The montage is great. Yeah, I, it, look, it's a, it's a Todd Holland montage. They're always great. That is true. That is true. Todd, uh, Todd delivers, man. Yeah, he, he's the montage king. He is. It's truth. Uh, but since you went with that one, I will go with my backup. Uh, which is a much simpler, smaller moment, and it's just Malcolm falling in Stevie's wheelchair. <laughs> that was also pretty good. Well, while I like to think that I'm, you know, slightly smarter than uh, the, the Reese's of the world, I am easily amused by the same sort of dumb things like people falling. <laughs> yeah, no, that's hate. Look, that one makes total sense to me. It was also a frequent sight in my house between my brother getting injured a lot and my dad having like multiple knee surgeries and yep. uh, neither of them being able to ever, you know, not try to do wheelies and stuff. Right. So, I, I've seen my dad rehospitalize himself multiple times using a wheelchair. I'll put it that way. And every time we left. <laughs> That is fair. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to our next award. What did you give your hot dog with mustard award? Your award for the best line. Dude, this is one I struggled with this time. There were, Dude, there so, were so many. There were so many. So many. There just so many good little one-liners and throwaways on top of some actually just legitimately good, like, well-written storytelling lines like there were lines that i considered using that were just i think ways that they conveyed what was going on without actually having to show you things gotcha um which i think was really well done but hmm which one am i going to give the award to i have three that i'm staring at i'm i think i'm going to go with my third one just because i love I just I love the delivery of it, and it's uh, it's from Francis when he realizes that the dude who's taking advantage of Otto is just huge. He grabs the divining rod, uh, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's got the good Swenson bevel on it." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 was my backup, <laughs> dude. It's so funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just you can see his eyes get wide. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, this is." This is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I uh, am actually going to a uh, a line that we, we've already alluded to. That it's actually outright said a couple times. I, I am actually going with your intro line because <laughs> it's it's just fine. I I just love it so much. I can't not. But it's when, no, when Malcolm when, when Malcolm asks Stevie what's wrong with me, and Stevie just looks at him and says, "How long?" You got. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so good, and it's just, it's so perfect, because you know Stevie would actually lay it all out for him, too, is the best part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just such a perfect Stevie line. It is. Uh. 
dude i i love this episode uh it was it was good it feels good to be back i know to the audience there won't be any like gaps of time since the last one of this one but uh it's it's been a little bit since we recorded yeah yeah it's been uh, like three weeks since we've recorded an episode yep and yep. uh it's good to be back and it's good to come back to this specifically this episode because it's it's so funny it has some really iconic very you know this is malcolm in the middle moments to it yeah and so i i appreciate it i like it i like it a lot and yeah i can't wait to to keep going and and yeah me too i am uh, i am especially excited for the next episode yeah yep i don't even know what the next episode's called that well well we'll get there for your guessing <laughs> game david i know we will where i'm gonna fail <laughs> I have no faith in myself right now. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you now. It's going to be a tough one. Okay. Weird. Uh, but moving on to our next award, which of the plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart? So this is another one that took a little bit of thinking for me, and I actually had to erase and re-put it a couple times, but ultimately the Hal crushing plot line, and maybe it's because I just had a kid, but the the sweet moment with Dewey at the end of it where he realizes, you know, sort of, and the the metaphor for addiction and just, uh, it was so good. I loved it so much. I had to give it to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I also chose the steamroller plot. One, it's like the most visually impressive. Two, it's the funniest. And, and then that, the, those Dewey Hal moments are just very sweet as well. They are. And, and you get sort of, like I said, you get that, that sense of, of, uh, you know, there, there's that parallel for addiction, and, and you get the sort of relationship between Dewey and Hal, and I really like that. Yeah, and the, the only other one that I was really considering uh, what was the uh, D-plot, the, the dance plot line, but it, it, it does have a little bit of that, like, early 2000s dumb blonde trope stuff. It's not nearly as bad as a lot of shows were with that kind of thing. Right. Like, Allison doesn't feel, like, dumber because she's female. Again, she feels very much like female Reese to me. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Like, it's going to be inherent when you have a plotline that has that type of stuff in, in general. But on top of that, it has a little bit of the uh, the sort of chauvinistic side of things as well. Yeah. Which I just, I don't know. Like, I get it. If you're going to be true to your characters that you've created you're gonna have that but that doesn't make it any less shitty right so yeah i, I would say like it, it still it still feels a little bit sexist but it doesn't feel like the sort of like very mean sexist that a lot of especially like early 2000s stuff was if yeah. that makes sense it, it doesn't feel like cruel it just feels like they didn't you know think the trope like through as much as they maybe should have yeah i i really like the way you said it at the start she's she feels dumb because she's dumb, not because she's a woman. Right. Like, which is, again, not great, but it's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Then moving on to our next award, who did you choose as your favorite character? So for my favorite character, I had to go with the master of one-liners for the episode, in my opinion, and the absolute savage who actually ended up banging your mom, Stevie. <laughs> yep. Same. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I love my note is literally just, wait, did Stevie actually bang their mom? It's revenge for, uh, you know, all of uh, Reese's comments when they saw Kenny naked. Right? Yeah. That's immediately what I went to. <laughs> I, it, dude, I my mind immediately went back to like a Modern Warfare 2 Call of Duty lobby. Like, oh yeah, you fucked my mom? I'm going to go find your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, Stevie, clearly best character of the episode. I agree. Yeah, super good. Super good. <laughs> and who did you give your Chloris Leachman Award? Your award for the best acting. I gave this one to Brian Cranston. He's just so good and again i love all that we get more of that physical comedy from hal he plays that crazed character just so well and then on top of that for him to sort of have that that arc with dewey and then you have that moment where you can literally see the thoughts on his face brian cranston is just so expressive 
there is not a better actor out there for that kind of stuff. We're, we're lining up on our awards on this one. I also chose Brian Cranston. I, I, I don't really have anything to add. It's all those exact reasons. Perfect. And David, uh, what did you choose for your OK Boomer Award? Your award that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Well, this is very easy for me, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, it's it's the only thing that I thought of that could immediately be... Um, I mean, it's right there staring you in the face um, when you see it in the episode, and it's pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and that is the Blue's Clues board game on the shelf in the boys' room that came out in 1998. <laughs> well played, Dave. That's a good one. It's a good choice. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, of course, the uh, reason that David is uh, putting it that way is because the episode starts literally starts <laughs> with a shot of a fucking Kellogg cereal box. <laughs> Three of them, actually. Uh. (laughs) That's also so funny because our roommate, Kyle, who you may have heard interrupting earlier episodes, uh, (laughs) uh, like immediately, who does not listen to the podcast, like immediately noticed all the cereal boxes and started talking about them. Yeah, to which I kept telling him, shut the fuck up, (laughs) Kyle. (laughs) <laughs> that was such an unintentionally perfect joke from Kyle. <laughs> and then to come into our community segment. <laughs> right. Dude. For the, the sake of our uh, ongoing set, I, I chose not to choose the uh, various cereal boxes. Uh, instead, I went with the Federal Booby Inspector t-shirt. <laughs> Very good. That's a good choice. Yeah, but because as, as we discussed, as we were going over it in the episode, that that exact shirt I have seen <laughs> thousands of times in middle school and zero times since. <laughs> like, it, that's such an early 2000s shirt. It exactly is. In fact, I had that shirt pictured, that exact version of it. And you and I both know there's a couple different versions mm-hmm. of it that made it throughout the years. And that is the version that is burned into my mind. So when they showed it, and I was like, yep, that's that what yep, was that, that's the shirt. Was in my head. Yep. 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 <laughs> For sure. I'm pretty sure my brother had that shirt. That makes perfect sense. He's he seems like the guy that would. Dude, his shirts always were problematic and in really weird ways. Like, not to derail us here at the end. And tell a story, but I'm going to anyways. He he had that one, I'm pretty sure, and I know for sure he had the bomb squad one which just nobody got was a joke, which was kind of funny. But the best one was he had a shirt that said, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups, Mm -hmm. which he then wore to chaperone for as part of a church event for the now cap kids on a bowling trip. Uh Uh-huh. Which for anyone who doesn't know what now cap is, it's a local company here that helps take care of, uh, individuals who have learning disabilities and uh, mental disabilities to the point of they generally need escorts and caretakers and things like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he uh, went to go do that as like a church community service thing, one of the things that we did, and he wore that shirt and didn't think anything of it because it was his bowling shirt. Yeah, that... um... Does not sh- surprise me that he would have yeah. those things. Yeah, he got in trouble for that one. <laughs> Shocking. And then was upset about it. And I was like, Ryan, what do you think? He, oh. <laughs> your, your brother is like the living embodiment of those am I the asshole posts on Reddit. <laughs> oh, God, dude, so much. So much. Also, that, dude, that used to be his catchphrase. So we, we were asking that question before the internet. That's true. <laughs> and, and the answer was always yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Is it was always yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let, let's get back to our awards here to wrap up. We, we've got our least shitty kid up first. Who did you have as your least shitty kid, and why was it Dewey? <laughs> well, it is Dewey, but I almost gave it to Reese. Okay. But I did give it to Dewey because of you know the whole scene with Hal and everything. I mean, Dewey didn't really do anything shitty about, you know, before that. But, I mean, he kind of, like, at first, it, it I was worried because they kind of set it up like he was going to blackmail Hal, but then that ended up not being the thing, which was good to continue, you know, promoting my belief of Dewey as the perfect angel. Yeah. But Reese really didn't do anything evil. He He just helped his brother cope with his anxiety. Okay, fair enough, I guess. I, I also chose Dewey, obviously. He helped 
Al overcome his crushing addiction. Yeah, exactly. He was actively good. The only bad thing he does is uh, crushing Reese's bike, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's called karma, Jake. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and who did you have as shittiest kid, David? Do we even need to ask? It's Malcolm. Okay. It, it was between Malcolm and Francis. Okay. Uh, and I went with Malcolm. Gotcha. Because, again, he's slightly sexist, but uh, mostly he deliberately dumbs himself down and acts poorly and excuses it by just not paying attention. And I think that that's deliberate indifference. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I think these ones are fairly obvious. As as much as I would love to have, you know, an argument on one of these, I I, I agree. It's it's Malcolm. It's like yeah. My my ish, big issue with Malcolm in this episode is that he like almost learns the right lesson with, with all the <laughs> Reese stuff. It's like he he does need to you know like take himself less seriously and like learn you know healthy ways of dealing with his anxieties and true but 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 instead he just you know willfully turns himself into reese uh-huh and it's, it's not just shitty it's also just like frustrating to see him be you know so close <laughs> right you almost had it exactly but that wraps up our awards but we've got a couple segments left beginning with the cranston connection which was my job this week uh but it was a very easy one because there's a very obvious uh parallel <laughs> to a uh, breaking bad th th this time around what no uh but because we, we actually see uh how's very particular uh, addiction uh, manifests itself later on when he's going by a different name his specific addiction to destroying things in parking lots that's right as he will eventually you know uh fulfill the dream that you know clearly started in this episode of destroying a car that is true when he ends up destroying the very nice car that he buys for uh, walt jr and then has to uh Get rid of, because it's going to uh, draw too much attention to his uh, drug money. Yep, and, so he uh, burns it in the parking lot. First, he, he like does like a bunch of donuts, then he ends up like wrecking it, and then he, yeah, as you said, he just blows the thing up with a tank of gas. And, and he looks yep. very pleased with himself as he does it. So, you know, clearly, the that's the, you know, the part of his uh, de descent back into, you know, be being evil after his uh, time as hell just uh un unlearning those lessons he learned from his son dewey well he had to put dewey out of his mind jake fair and, you know, destroying that car was part of that yep that just leaves one last segment david's guessing game ah real quick yep david noticed something and i wasn't sure where to interject it so i'm gonna do it here okay go ahead did you notice something about this episode and I'll give you a hint, specifically in one of the scenes with Hal on the uh, bulldozer roller smoother thing. That nothing that like immediately set out. Okay, so in the nighttime scene, before he gets the idea to crush an entire row of cars, there is a crew member that can be seen in the background through the cab uh, ah. on the other side of the steamroller. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I did not catch that. And it's very clear that that parking lot is meant to be, like, empty. Right. And uh, one of the scenes, he's in the background on the other side of the steamroller. And you see him kind of, like, notice that he's on camera and then, like, awkwardly walk off screen. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for your guessing game, uh, it's a, a, a little bit uh, tricky to grade you on this one. Fair. It's, uh, it's been several weeks, so I'm assuming you don't remember your guess very well. I do not at all. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, you got quite a few of the details correct. Uh-huh. But you thought that it was going to be restating the dumb girl instead of Malcolm, which did happen at the end, but obviously right. wasn't what the episode was about. Fair. So, uh, for instance, you predicted that uh, Reese would get a girlfriend who fits like the early 2000s dumb blonde trope, which is, you know, exactly what happened, just with Malcolm. Mm -hmm. uh, you thought that Reese would have to dumb himself down for her even more than he already is, which again is what happened, just to Malcolm. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then eventually they, they would end up breaking up at the, by the end of the episode because she was too dumb for Reese, uh, which again is what happens just, just uh, with Malcolm. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the, the one part that Dennett fed in is you thought that there would be, like, a conflict between, like, Malcolm and Reese, like, centering around Malcolm making fun of Reese for, you know, thinking this girl is dumb and for, you know, acting even dumber than he already is, which is, this was actually one of the rare episodes where Malcolm and Reese got along. Uh, so I ended up giving you an 80%. All right, all right, that's fair. What do you think happens in next week's episode? One of my favorite episodes forwards backwards this is one of your favorites yep oh god it's got to be crazy i mean your last one that you were like really excited for was the freaking what do they call it sliding door or whatever yep 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 um, bowling yeah. yeah it's my old time thing this is just one of and it's probably like a top 10 episode forwards back dude what forwards backwards that's How the, fuck the name am I supposed to get anything from that i, I said it was gonna be a hard one you're not wrong <laughs> um i don't know maybe it's about how like Malcolm gets moved forward a grade and Reese gets held back. So now they're like in the same grade. But okay. no, it's not near the end of the school year. But like that would make so much sense. And then, of course, obviously, now they're in the same grade. And so like, you know, they they would have some contention there. There would be some battle there. They did just have midterms. Oh, they did, huh? They did say that. You know what? I'm going with that. I'm going with that. I think I'm wrong, but it just it it's the best thing I can come up with with the title is if Malcolm goes forward, Reese comes backwards and gets held back. Yep. So now they're in the same grade. Yep. Yeah, I think that would make a ton of sense. And then of course, obviously it would be about how Malcolm and Reese are at odds with each other and uh, you know, Reese is used to being kind of, you know, king shit and now he's been held back which i don't think normally would would bother him but now you know his little brother is in the same grade as him so the power dynamic is shifting a little bit right and obviously malcolm is incapable of backing down when challenged despite the fact that he really needs to learn how so i think it's just going to be an escalating conflict maybe there whether it's socially or like Physically, I don't know, though with Reese, I'm sure it will escalate to some sort of physical or prank war because I don't think Reese is smart enough to do a nuanced social competition with Malcolm. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's a really solid guess. I am going to say, though, what, one of the things that one of the reasons this is one of my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you guess sort of uh, blindly here, if you're assuming that that is the assuming that it's not the uh, reason for the title. What do you think happens in the F plot for this episode, David? The F what? It is one of my all-time favorite Francis plot lines. So I'm gonna make you try to guess what happens. I've never, dude. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you want me to guess what happens? Okay, so we just had, I don't really have, like, we've already dealt with Francis, like, helping give birth to an animal, yeah. which is what I would have guessed. So, I don't know, maybe it's mating season now, and he has to help one of the cows or something. I don't know. That does sound very funny. Sure, we'll go with that. All right, mating season on the ranch, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I have no, that's not fair. That better be an extra credit question, uh, not... David, uh -huh. life's not fair. What? No, life is unfair, Jacob. <laughs> At least say it right. Okay? Okay? <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcasts which is where we also put up our weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we play games, interact with people, and have general chats like this, but in a live fashion. Oh, once again, thank you, and as always, remember, life is unfair. Wait, what, David? Shut up, Kyle. We're talking about you, not to you. <laughs>